1: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and we're here for the next of our season reviews tonight. It's the wide receivers, and joining me for that is Jake Vogel. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Ken. How about you? Can't complain. Uh, you know, I, I'm still trying to get over the AFC Championship loss. I like think we need to acknowledge here at the top. We're recording this on Thursday evening at 9 p.m. and about five hours ago. Uh, it was reported by various sources that there have been allegations made about Zay Flowers. Uh, it's my position on this, and I think we, you know, based on our pre-show discussion here, we share this opinion. We're going to let this play out on its own. We have nothing to add, certainly, in terms of independent information here. And I, I'm just simply going to wait for the facts and the and the investigation to roll out. I I don't have anything to say about it, Jake. Anything else you'd like to say up front?
2: Uh, i agree uh about about that I, I don't really care to talk about it and um we're we're really trying to talk about what happened during the twenty twenty three season with the ravens
1: all right well, great let's right get right to that uh Monkin of course brought in at the beginning of the year certainly brought a more spread passing game, much more eleven personnel and much less of the truly heavy sets the Ravens ran last year. they ran a lot of twenty two even uh twenty one thirteen. Twelve, uh, they ran a little bit less of pretty much everything except maybe twelve, and uh, and, and the, the the overall offense went from you know the heaviest in history uh, in a relative sense to a much lighter offense. Still not a super light offense because they did make use of Patrick Ricard uh, even in the Monken offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, I thought that was one of the the points this year, kind of in training camp, that a lot of fans were talking about. Um, it almost seemed like, you know, some of some of it was based on Todd Munkin's words in the past. And he's pretty good in the media and he's uh, very straightforward in, in what he says. Um, but it felt like Patrick Ricard might not be, of you know, in a super important piece in this offense, just based on what some people were saying. I never truly felt that way. I I love Pat Ricard. I think he does a lot of good things um, in the, the passing offense as, you know, basically an extra offensive lineman and inline tight end um, somebody that can help chip block and stuff like that as well. And then what he does in the run game is um, phenomenal. So it was good to see him have such good success in the Munkin offense, considering Georgia where Todd was previously does not really use much in the way of fullbacks, but Ricard nowadays is more of a tight end. We'll, we'll get onto wide receiver.
1: Yeah, we, we, we certainly will. And I wanted to ask you about Georgia though, too, because Georgia of course last year had the current Steelers tight end Washington on uh, playing mm-hmm. a lot in line. Um, right. and, and I I thought of him as being very similar, but you, then you mentioned not a fullback and you're, yeah, I think you're hundred percent right about that. Right. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's, let's move on a little bit. L- Lamar, a, a big game, from the pocket this year and, and really tried a little more of that, tried a little more to, to uh, not roll early in plays uh, rolling early, of course, cuts down on the field you have available. So it does uh, you know, tend to take your wide receivers more out of the game. To It to, you know, makes you more into your, your options are more like a boot. Now, Lamar Jackson mitigates some of that because of all NFL quarterbacks, he's willing to throw back to the middle of the field like nobody. Uh, and if you can find him space, he'll try and find you, um, even if, the, if it's a slightly disadvantaged throw. But I thought keeping in the pocket is certainly going to allow him to use more of the field. One of the things we'd heard coming into this year, we talked about Lamar always really staying in the middle of the field with a football, rarely going outside the numbers. And then this this year, great year outside the numbers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, before the season, you expected a lot more in the screen game, and we saw some of that for sure. Um, but also, what Lamar was doing um, in the intermediate and deeper part of the field, um, on on you know along the sideline with with his throws from the pocket were pretty impressive. So I I think he's made some pretty big strides in that area.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. We saw in particular in the last few weeks of the year, a lot of receivers um, get lost in coverage outside the numbers that was was really nice. In terms of the receivers – Certainly had some solid individual play. We're going to talk about each one separately, how they fit into the offense, You know, where they could fit for, for next year and whatnot. Um, the one question that I have to ask, and I think you know, there were definitely some pluses from it, but did the loss of Mark Andrews when he was hurt, and then there was about a six or seven week period where he wasn't, he wasn't on the field, um, did that really help the Ravens in terms of identifying some additional receivers who could really help them? They certainly weren't hurt in terms of the games they won during that period.
2: Right, um, I definitely think there was silver lining in him, you know, missing time. Uh, you, you got to see much more potential out of uh, Isaiah likely for sure. And I think when Lamar doesn't have his clear-cut number one security blanket, um, he maybe doesn't have uh, too much of a, of a tendency that defenses can focus in on. So that was, uh, that was definitely a plus uh, to it. But I think the offense was starting to kind of get its legs under, under itself, you know, right before Mark Andrews got hurt. And then I think it took them a week or two weeks or a little bit longer for them to kind of figure out who they were without Andrews. And then they started um, really looking good at the end of the regular season. Um, and then they brought him back into the fold. And it's kind of hard to say whether that, was a negative impact uh on the team in the in the playoffs i don't really think that's yeah. that's a reason to to say andrew shouldn't have been out there i i disagree with that, but
1: he only played eighteen snaps, so it'd really be a hard case to make if you want. he right. I mean, likely was the number one receiver for that game a uh, number one tight end uh flowers is played during the year certainly um changed greatly from being more of a gadget guy early in the year a lot of jet sweeps uh, a lot of wide receiver screens to be more of a deep target as the year went on. Uh in a lot of the early season they relied on Odell Beckham for some of the deep targets, um a few others too, but Beckham honestly was was a was a primary one. And as the season moved on, Flowers became a target and players like Mitchell and Hill became more of the gadget uh mm-hmm. guys to to use their speed effectively in space underneath.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that big time um what <laughs> What was really frustrating, uh, I'm sure for you as it was for me, was the usage of flowers um, for at least, probably about half of the season. Uh, I just felt like he was not getting enough targets in the intermediate portions of the field. He was getting, you know, everything short screens, um, little end around swing passes, and and this and that. And it it was just not giving him enough availability and, and options in space. I mean, I, I understand the screen game is to get the ball to a playmaker and let him do what what he does, mm-hmm. but um, we'll we'll get to it about each player. But the yards per target and yards per reception are just not what they should have been for a player of his talent.
1: Yeah, a, a lot of that basically is that you, you have value you get from Flowers in a couple different ways. And the first, of course, is – to get get the ball in the hands of a playmaker, try and make a play in space, and you don't want to ever say you're never going to throw him a wide receiver screen because then the other the other team doesn't have to be cognizant of that as a risk, and they you know you can't slow down their blitzes easily. For example, if you if you just say you're if you say and you and you go through with never doing that, but the other part of it is flowers is supposed to attract multiple defenders, and the way to attract a, a second defender is to basically threaten to get past that cornerback, and. To do that, he's got to run more of the vertical route tree, more sevens, more nines, um, and and you know, actually force that safety out of his very comfortable position in the middle of the field where he still has options on right. it, who to who to make. So anyway, they they really needed to get more out of Flowers. And um, most of the time, you're you're facing a zone defense when when you have Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Mm-hmm. So you know it it's it's an opportunity also to get eyes off Lamar. Uh, to, to to have that uh, safety taken out of the play, which is nice. So uh, that that was unfortunate. I, I do think that 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 usage, at least, evolved over the course of the season is something that's much more valuable by by the end.
2: Yeah, I completely agree about that. Uh,
1: this was a very very expensive group to assemble. I think that's one of the things that we're going to look at during during this year in terms of draft capital. They used the one on Zay Flowers. They used a six. Mm-hmm. On Nelson Aguilar because of the, right. the compensatory pick that they that they gave away, they spent three point two five million, including the void year money, which does count. By the way, you have to count all that money um, mm-hmm. on Nelson Aguilar. They spent whatever it was, fifteen to eighteen million on on um, uh, Beckham, and I don't know exactly what he cashed in on in terms of incentives, but there was some that he got, some that he didn't. Yeah. And they're going to pay for that in 2024 and, and and beyond potentially, depending on how they they allow those dollars to flow out. But it's it, 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 not a cheap guy to bring in. Um, and then of course you're sitting on Bateman, who's the number one pick, and he got a lot less um, attention in this offense. Did not have a good year, by the way. I can't I can't paint yeah. that. We're gonna we're gonna talk yeah. about Bateman a little bit, but uh, um, you know, just just. A, a, the The expense of putting together this wide receiver room, it was a shift in style from the from the Roman years, and it was a expensive one.
2: Uh, yeah, I completely agree about that. Um, we'll get into whether the return on investment was worth it, but um I definitely felt like the team benefited from the receiving talent that they had this season. Even even though I don't think a ton of that um, showed up on paper in the in the statistics of the passing offense, I I do think that it helped Lamar. I think it helped this offense, and he, Lamar is a great player. Like he did what he did in 2019 with much less uh, receiving talent. So uh, who knows what it would have been? But um, it it looks like tonight he's probably going to win another MVP and. Uh, I think part of that is the group around him.
1: Yeah, they, it, it was certainly was a much more talented group, and and hitting on their their first round pick at wide receiver in terms of of uh, you know production in his rookie year, expected development, and whatnot, in flowers is obviously a big part of that. And so let's let's jump into the individual things. We'll start with flowers. Obviously, uh, couldn't be a more critical and direct addition to a problem than him at 22 uh being a guy who uh yeah a lot of other teams had coveted but there're also some some you know questions about size that I think other teams couldn't get by that made him uh still available at that point.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, he was what the third receiver taken um and there were four first rounders, so um he was he was definitely in the mix, but I, I guess, you know, at least two teams said hey, uh, you know, we like him, but not quite as much as this other guy. So I I think the Ravens benefited from that. Um, Zay Flowers was probably the best rookie wide receiver taken in the first round. Of course, Puka Nakua, gosh, what he did as a fifth rounder is just amazing. And Matthew Stafford kind of uh, has that ability to really um, create productive wide receivers. Uh, I'm not trying to take away talent from – from those guys, but you can yep. look at the history.
1: There uh, four four taken in a row there were Jackson Smith and Jigba by Seattle, then Quentin right. Johnson by the Chargers, Zay Flowers by Baltimore, and and Jordan Addison by by the Vikings. And Addison actually had the most yardage and ten touchdowns. So I'm sure the, the, the Vikings are claiming, well, we got the we got the deal here. And they might be right. Um yeah. but but uh it in in terms of Flowers you know, working inside of a team that consistently had the lead throughout the season and wasn't, you know, I, I, I needing to throw the ball to, to catch up a lot, uh, it certainly looks like his numbers, fr- from my perspective, are very comparable, if not maybe slightly better. Now, there's a big difference in touchdowns there.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, anytime that you get double digit touchdowns versus half of that, um, you know, th- that's a significant difference. But, uh, yeah, so to get into those numbers a little bit, if you want, um, he had 108 targets on the season with uh, 77 receptions. Now, out of the four guys that I I really care the most about talking about um, in the wide receiver room, he did have one of the better catch rates, even though he had some bad drops during the season, especially that Pittsburgh game mm-hmm. where hardly any receiver could catch the ball. Uh, 71.3% catch rate um 858 receiving yards which was not great for yards per reception or yards per target i think he can do a lot better than that um in his career so he had 11.14 yards per reception and the more important stat that you like to talk about a lot as well is yards per target and he had 7.94 you wanted to round that up to eight you could
1: Um, and then, uh, I could, by not following normal rules of rounding. Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then, um, five receiving touchdowns. He also, uh, did have one rushing touchdown that we all remember. Um, uh, so eight, eight carries for the regular season, uh, seven yards per attempt on those 56, uh, rushing yards in that touchdown. Um, the five receiving touchdowns that he had led, the wide receivers. Um, he had the largest touchdown share, which is you know the number that I I take from Lamar Jackson's um, total passing touchdowns and just their their percentage of that. Um, especially, it had it would have to come from him. So, so he didn't have any
1: five, from five out of twenty four regular season or something. Yes,
2: or, okay, five out of the twenty four. Um, and then his touchdown rate, which is also you know an interesting stat to look at. Um, was 4.6%. So that is, um, he would score a touchdown 4.6% of the time based on his targets.
1: Sure. Okay. So one of the interesting numbers, I I, I like to look at this because it'll often tell you where something is not right, but uh, a a receiver of Flowers' size can often be in a position where he costs you some interceptions because he can't fight them as well as a bigger receiver can. 110.2 rating throwing to him on the year. So uh that's a good one and uh mm-hmm. you know obviously I think part of what you're seeing in terms of the catch rate is propped up by a lot of the passes behind the line of scrimmage which yep. are very high probability. If you look at running back catch rates they're very high. If you look at inside yeah. linebacker catch rates allowed they're incredibly high. So you're you mm-hmm. really uh uh give up a lot of short throws there. Uh, connected to Lamar, obviously by where they come from, by the fact they got together before the season, the fact that he Beckham and flowers got together, I thought was absolutely terrific. It had to help, um, flowers in ways that were not simply connection with lamar but we're also you know maybe some some route running tips from odell beckham and whatnot some players really want that mentoring component you know and and i i did never got really a strong sense either direction from beckham i i think he probably would give it if asked justin houston seems to be a natural teacher you know Mm -hmm. you've seen him you know here's how i work on my muscle memory and he's he's you know he's going at a at a uh tackling dummy or whatever to, 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 show that. Um, but, but I thought their, their time away really benefited him. And and I hope Bateman gets some of that time this off season. Cause it's, I think it's critical to his development.
2: Uh, I agree completely. Um, he has had some of that time in his career, but it just hasn't felt like it hasn't felt like he's really, l- bonded too much over the off season with Lamar and in a lot of that is probably due to injury Mm -hmm. um you know he's just been banged up you know multiple off seasons um so that's always going to hurt your your chemistry and your ability to to work um with the quarterback when um when you have free time so but yeah I I definitely agree that it would be beneficial and I don't want to we're not going to get into the weeds of, of how, how important he'll be next year, but um, Mm -hmm. definitely.
1: Yeah. Uh, We talked about him being used as a gadget player early in the season usage evolved into some, definitely a lot of higher uh, ADOT work later in the year. Uh, So, so average throws further down the field next gen, by the way, Tell us some different stories about things like separation and whatnot for receivers. And I, I what I took, I took the next-gen stuff since that's calibrated on the field, and I don't have the raw data that PFF uses, which looks like it might be different. Um, it should come from next-gen. I would think it would. It would, it would. it would come from the same source in terms of measuring uh, separation because I don't think there would be an easy way to do it otherwise. I don't right. probably, I, I, and, and so it should be the same source of information. But they showed Bateman with really outstanding separation. Bateman actually comes in pretty low on the separation scores, on uh, separation by yards that are here. I'm a little um, hesitant to buy into separation numbers uh, as they show up here. And the reason is that, that mm-hmm. when you have throws that are behind the line of scrimmage, you may get a separation number that is – um not really an apples to apples comparison. Sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree I agree with that. I, I think there's other va- variables as well. Um if the team keys in on Bateman not being a real threat on a given play, I mean there might be separation that way. Um that the Ravens didn't capitalize on uh there's you know there's tons of potential um reasons for him having such a high score. Um Based on those
1: sources, so but, three, you know
2: four, he is a good route runner. I will give him that, though.
1: I yeah, I, I think he's a very sudden athlete. I think there's actually quite a bit left there as a route runner, and and, and this is something by, by the way, it's on the table. This is a good thing. If if you can have the kind of season he had, and there's still room for improvement, that's all the all the better. And what I think he doesn't really do is wiggle at the top of the route to throw the defensive back off. I think he just is is puts his foot in the in the dirt, and he's too quick for them and that's terrific and in zone you know he has ability to, to to come back to that spot in space where where you know it's it's going to be open that's all great um but i but i i would not actually credit his route running with the thing i'd create credit a, a general suddenness to his uh to his play uh, i i didn't want to talk about a, a separation for a second 3.7 yards is 13th best in the tight end and wide receiver group, it's actually seventh best among wide receivers only. Sup- surprisingly, the separation group is dominated by tight ends, hmm. and so there's something going on there, and I don't know exactly what it is, but there's some there's some element of patterns or play action or whatever that that is creating you know a, a large set of high separation targets for tight ends. And I think if if you think about just watching football, it's much more common to see the tight end running wide open to have a seam than it is right. a wide receiver. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I- I don't know if there's a difference between um, their separation stat in zone versus man coverage. But if you're talking about zone, then I mean, if if all of it's on the board and they're just collecting data in that way, then you're you're going to have more separation from tight ends, finding space where the linebackers aren't and the safety's not there. And, you know, a wide receiver might be carrying somebody deep. And, you know, there's there's a lot of ways that.
1: C- completely agree. I mean, it makes all kinds of sense that it would be it would be tied to either one of those two uh, you know, zone man concepts or, or uh, um, uh, you know, just elements of uh, play action uh, showing up because I've I've not known people to talk about play action working with wide receivers in general. Sometimes you can you can you might talk about a boot you know, at play action, creating Mm -hmm. an opportunity on three levels, and you're hoping to get that man deep opportunity. Um, I I don't know that they really, that I've really heard that talked about in terms of separation, but it it can be, I know, you know, Torrey Smith was really well known for drawing those um, uh, PI flags when, when he was threatening separation at all. So there's, there's that, but uh, yeah. Uh, This was interesting. I found largest cushion, of any NFL wide receiver at the line of scrimmage, seven point seven yards. Uh, that's it, it's probably in part, at least, a measure of the amount of zone the Ravens face. Mm-hmm. So there's a desire for some of those cornerbacks probably to drop into some cover three looks and be further off the line of scrimmage at the start. Somebody else is going to drift over underneath of Flowers on a lot of those plays. So I, I, I I'm looking at it. I mean, it's. I don't look at it simply as a measure of um, how much they're respecting his speed, but, but there's probably some of that, at least in terms of relative sense that might be.
2: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, Yeah, definitely something that can, can very much be affected by the, the zone that they're seeing on a regular basis versus other teams that don't have a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, which is like, Every team, so I,
1: I thought his yak number was a little low for who he is at 5.1 yak per reception. It's middle of the pack for wide receivers, for wide receivers and tight ends. Let's put the, the combination together, and and I would expect him to get more than that for two reasons. One is he is who he is in terms of speed, so you expect him to have some home run balls in there that are going to lead to touchdowns. The second one is that um, when he catches a ball behind the line of scrimmage, he's got some red yards, which are kind of like I won't call them free yak but they're much easier yak than other right. things. It's kind of like what Jacoby Jones did on kickoff return yep. uh, rate. Right. So uh, in terms of, yeah, if you, if you bring it out from eight deep, yeah, you're, you're, it's pretty easy to average a 24-yard return there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah,
2: I I agree. I, I felt like, um, especially from what we have seen of Bateman when, he, when he's been healthy in previous years, you saw a player that probably had – the most yards after catch ability in the wide receiver room in Baltimore. Um, that is before Zay Flowers joined um, before Aguilar and, and OBJ, just a different receiving room. But uh, you know, injuries can derail that the kind of routes he's running. Like if you're running more curls and comebacks, your, your yards after the catch would greatly hinge upon the the separation you have when you re- when you actually catch the ball and then what move you can make to shake the defender coming downhill at you um assuming that they're behind in in that kind of situation so i felt like more of his targets this year um were when somebody was uh kind of closely defending him even though even though his separation um grades were so high i, I I felt like a lot of that is kind of empty calories. Like he he was separating great, but it was on a on a pass play that went to someone else, or you know.
1: That's interesting, and that I I I don't know whether that separation number only includes his targets or or at the time of any throw, where how much he'd separated by. That could explain differences for a player like Bateman. Sure. So that uh, that's interesting. I try and try and look into that and see what I can find um we talked about his suddenness as athlete don't we need to go any further into that i don't think um uh, you know one if i had one thing for zay flowers to work on for next year and obviously maintaining that relationship with lamar is important but um kind of had a lack of situational awareness show up in a three different plays on this season at least and something i really hope is a point of emphasis for a a team that's that's very close you know, and I mean, all, I mean, close to the goes to a ring, not not close together necessarily. Although I'm sure there's some of that. Um, really, just needs to be more situationally aware. And and you know, the run for the touchdown against the Chargers it was a touchdown, great, but he's got to know to go down there. And I and, and honestly, that's a place where even though the call should have gone in from Monkin to the huddle to say we have a no moss situation here or whatever you code word you have for it, um, Flowers needs to know himself. He needs to understand himself basically, hey, this right. is going to run into the two-minute warning. After this, it's three kneels and we're done. That's mm-hmm. the quickest path to victory, other than give the ball right. back to the Chargers.
2: Right. Um I I agree with that. I was on the same page as you during that game, even though a lot of people thought it was, you know, just more fun for him to score a touchdown. I mean, the reality is you're you're still giving the other team an opportunity to score. Um, to onside kick to come back in the game, whereas you could quite literally end the game with, um, you know, safe snapping of the ball and and kneeling at that point, but, yeah.
1: you know. Which, by, by the way, I, 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 I've I heard all kinds of, frankly, idiotic, you know, uh, flatback on that, which is basically that, well, no, then there's something could go wrong with a snap or whatever. I mean, it, it has literally never happened on a play where a kneel, was attempted okay there have been plays where the quarterbacks trying to recenter the ball famous one from the chargers a few years ago where they blew one right uh trying to re-center the ball for a field goal not the same thing okay yep. you're, you're you're taking a chance you're pulling out you're trying to move left you don't want to get penetrated on all that stuff um it, when when the ball is just being snapped into the hands of quarterback for a kneel it basically never has failed and and also um it's considered incredibly poor football etiquette to try and stop that from occurring so in a game like that, where Flowers had just stopped short of the one yard line, the, the 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 LA coaches were highly incented not to pull crap and tell their players, dive into the pile, do whatever you have to disrupt the snap. We need the ball back. We need the ball back. They're highly incented not to do that because that could follow them the rest of their career. Right. And, you know, it's it's people who think, you know, that that could have gone wrong, they just don't understand football. They just do not get it. I, I, exactly what the deal is uh, in that situation. Yeah. Fumble in the AFC Championship game. I don't think we have to talk about it too much, other than he had the first down at the one yard line. That was ninety five percent of what.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: What they really needed there,
0: ninety yeah.
1: percent. Yeah. Yeah. And and the uh, the taunting penalty. Of course, we could have done without.
2: I agree with that. Um... Yeah, tough, tough go of it. He he was a really great player during that game. Um, kind of like Hollywood Brown in the past. Yep. Um, you know, really showed up in big moments, playoff games, just you know, over a hundred yards receiving. Um, almost scored there uh to to put the Ravens within reach. And, you know, just like that, a fumble. It's not Lamar's fault. Uh, you know, it falls on Zay Flowers. He did have two hands on the ball. But you know, he could have easily you know protected that ball better. Probably gotten tackled, been at the one, and the Ravens should have been able to punch it in there. So
1: yeah, you'd, you'd have to believe that would that would probably be a, a, a been a a deal they'd rather had rather than almost any chance of fumbling that football there. Right. Uh, let's move on and talk about Odell Beckham because we're kind of a little bit short on time here. Uh, an offseason signing that you know I, I think. I don't think there's anybody who would really claim when it happened that it was the right price for Odell Beckham at, at his age after missing a full year. I, I don't. Th- I really hadn't heard anybody who's directly said that, but they always try and mitigated with the soft value of he's a leader, he's a this, he's a that, um, and it made the Lamar Jackson signing easier. I mean, if you want to make yourself feel better, Lamar Jackson was worth eighty million dollars this year, not sixty, not fifty-two. You right know? um so so you're so from that pers- from that perspective sure if the any any additional player needed you you could give given up mark andrews and if you if you uh uh got uh, uh lamar jackson you it had been worth it uh for, for that price but you didn't have to it's two separate transactions don't tell me one transaction or both transactions are good because the net effect was good
2: right yeah i, I agree with that um the bang for the buck wasn't quite there with Odell. Uh, he did did have some good numbers, definitely exceeded my expectations in some of those metrics. Um, but the, the lack of usage in a way or effectiveness um, in the playoffs was the thing that really kind of um, surprised me. I, I thought that the Ravens were trying to ramp up Odell uh, for the playoffs, and it just seemed like that fell flat, um, especially in the championship game. But
1: you know, four point nine yards per target in the two playoff games—obviously not what they um, had hoped for. Listen, let's, let's talk in terms of you know expectations are a, are a fleeting thing because people have a way of forgetting where they had pegged people for. Mm-hmm. But you know, talking about where Las Vegas had pegged him for, they pegged him for about five hundred and eighty yards. He was right on target in terms of that at five sixty-five. You know, yep. so it could have been a little over potentially if the if the Ravens had been uh, playing more close games, more games where they had to catch up. Uh, so that w- would have been good. Um, the 54.7% catch rate is not good. And that's mm-hmm. been declining since he left New York. It is in part a function of getting some deeper yep. runs. And, and his yards perception was the highest of his uh, uh, I think the highest of his career, but it was the highest of his career it was very close at mm-hmm. 16 or so. And the, and the real – the thing that he just was way over expectation in is yards per, per target at 8.8. Right.
2: And, a, and a lot of that is also related to the deep ball usage, um, especially early and in, in the mid part of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he, he did catch some really big passes uh, for Lamar, a couple spectacular um, receptions. So, you know, he showed his value in multiple games. the The problem was the lack of consistency – and um availability uh, yeah. i you know availability is your best ability uh and he's just not always there
1: yeah so uh he actually he he played 50 percent of the snaps this year I know, it's interesting there's i saw a tweet from him today that said he played 30 percent of the snaps but he played 50 percent of the snaps this year uh had 64 targets i think anybody who i was asking the question mm-hmm. to before the season of how are you constructing his yards in terms of the three ways you get there because yards in in a season is how many games you're playing times how many targets per game times how many yards per target so give me those three factors separately and then i can take your 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 1100 yard approximation significantly and and a lot of people you know they'll back into it however they they think it's reasonable to back into it and they'll come up with some outrageous number of game plays and out and and you know if if you really thought he was going to play more than more than uh he did you you probably were very much let down by this season from odell beckham or you should admit it now in 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 fact i thought he played exactly as much as the ravens could expect frankly uh even at 50 percent of snaps i would think that was probably a slight over for me uh in terms of where i thought he'd be at the beginning of the year
2: yeah i would agree with that um the amount of snaps played that was uh that was pretty good um yeah, his his numbers yards per target were so much greater than what you and I were talking about. Uh, I did have similar hopes, maybe a little bit lower than that um, when when we did that projection show. But uh, you know that's a really solid number. Um, his he also had three reception uh, receiving touchdowns, which we didn't get to yet, which was a twelve and a half percent touchdown share from Lamar's twenty four passing touchdowns, and then um, a four point seven touchdown. Uh, 4.7 percent touchdown rate, uh, which is you know like I talked about earlier. He
1: he didn't catch. No, that was Colar, right? Who cut, caught the touchdown from Huntley? I think it was.
2: Yeah, it, I, Beckham was not a part of that last game.
1: I don't. Think, okay, yeah. and so Beckham Beckham did catch a late, a very late touchdown from Lamar where they were kind of uh, uh, forcing the ball through for his first touchdown as a Raven. And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to minimize his contributions here because I think some other things he did well, I think he was a good locker room guy. I think it's good to have an anti-hero on your team. I think what he did in terms of drawing penalties really added value to the Ravens, in particular um, taking a moment to step on Jeffrey Simmons' hands. It's a dirty play, but he got away with it and drew a 15-yard foul out of the thing. That's usually something the Ravens fall for. Uh, you know, it's it's a, they end up at, uh, taking a uh, uh, a personal foul and unnecessary roughness for being the instigator. And, you know, just look at Travis Kelsey and what he was able to get the Ravens to do. Um, you have to respect Beckham being able to get that done, even though it it, it clearly was dirty. And some of the, the the early pass interferences and defensive holdings he's getting. It's just it's veteran understanding of where the official is relative to you in the play.
2: Yeah, I mean, he brought such veteran savvy to the receiving room. And I think um, a lot of the signing value, even though it was short of what he got paid in the cap number um, that it's going to, you know, impact the Ravens in the future. um, It was the, was the presence he had in the locker room and on on those receivers and on Lamar. I I do think having him and Aguilar in the building showed um, showed Lamar you know, what, what good veteran receivers that have that kind of experience can do. Um, And I think it, it, it seems like a presence like him doesn't have to be that same price tag. um, But somebody, you know, similar is going to be needed in the receiving room next year and probably going forward. 96.5
1: 96.5 passer rating throwing to Beckham this year. So that it didn't really let the Ravens down in that way, although he wasn't exceptional. He wasn't, you know, a, a guy who was, was clearly making Lamar better than he is. He was a guy who was making Lamar about who he is. Um, I guess the big question for him is, do you expect him to be a Raven in 2024?
2: I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, earlier in the season, I, I thought um, there was a stronger chance, but the way that the season ended – um and the the price tag of of this past season just makes it seem less likely um we'll get to the next guy that i do think um has a better shot of being in baltimore nelson aguilar
1: oh uh, Nelson. let's go to nelson aguilar first then if you want to do sure. that start us off
2: yeah well bateman of course we expect to be there but aguilar um he did play 17 games i didn't end up dividing his targets and and removing those from the last game. So I'll just give you his, his total numbers from the season. Um, 45 targets and 35 receptions, which means, yes, of course, he had the highest catch rate of all the receivers on the team, 77.8% catch rate. Wait,
1: um, let me stop you for one second here because that is such an incredible incredible departure from Nelson Aguilar's past guys had a lot of trouble with drops in his career and had a 59.3% catch rate for his career coming to this year so 18 and a half percentage points better uh it's it's unheard of increment to a, a receiver's catch rate later in his career normally that catch rate will go down as as you get older and the reason is you become more of a go-to guy. You end up with more contested catches, which naturally have a lower catch rate associated with them. And you know, you don't you don't get this. He, Aguilar was just the opposite. He was he was a mm-hmm. guy who found space late and was a a great extended play guy for Lamar.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. The the role that he had in this offense as wide receiver four, um, you know, suits him really well. I, I think he's he's a strong player in that particular position. So. Um, to finish out his stats from the season, 381 receiving yards, which wasn't great. Um, that was 10.89 yards per reception, but his yards per target were pretty solid, 8.47 yards mm-hmm. per target. Um, and he had four receiving touchdowns, which which also was really nice considering the low amount of targets he had. Uh, that was a 16.7% touchdown share um, and 8.9% touchdown rate which is very high um mm-hmm. so yeah definitely pleased with what we got from aguilar
1: so two things to add to that um and part of this goes to the 8.9 percent touchdown rate which is one of the four factors that goes into quarterback rating but the passer rating throwing to him was 122.3 so he was a guy who made lamar better than mm-hmm. who he is by finding space for him by doing all the things that he does to 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 help a quarterback, five point four percent drop rate, also a massive improvement on his recent play in New England, where he'd been he'd really had a lot of problems. I was very down on the Aguilar signing. Never happier to be wrong than than about this one. But uh, uh, he was a guy who I thought you, there's no way you give up a 6 round pick for a guy who's been at the bottom of all these very significant metrics, uh, which are you know not side nothings to to what's going on. they you know they're they're pretty primary elements. And uh, you know, just just a a great year for Aguilar. Uh I thought, you know, as the year went on, I think the the touchdown pass to Zay Flowers against the Rams, which put the Ravens ahead. It was late in regulation, maybe about a minute and fifteen or something left. And it was on maybe a third and ten play, but whatever. The Ravens were down to a couple downs where they had to had to score a touchdown. A field goal wasn't gonna do it. Right. And they gave up then the tying field goal. Mm-hmm. To the Rams won it in overtime, of course. But the, but the touchdown to to Flowers, he yeah. drew that safety off and reportedly he called it in the huddle for Lamar. He says, "I know I can drag that safety off that left hash. You go ahead and wait for Zay to come in, come open behind me," kind of thing.
2: Yeah, I I loved hearing that story. Um, I, I believe you know he's he's another guy like I was talking about with Beckham, that is a good presence for the locker room and for those younger receivers so yeah
1: be very excited to see him come back by the way and and, and by the way I, I I know that story is true for a couple of reasons first of all multiple mm-hmm. people are reporting among players but second of all look at Aguilar from the in, from the top view which is the, the sorry the side view no the, the, the top view it's the, called the top view that's the mm-hmm. all 22 from the side that gives you good depth of the receivers and whatnot if you look at him from the top view, um, you can see his reaction after the play where he all he did was take a take a safety out of the play and the ball went to flowers he celebrates like it was his touchdown yep. you know he's, he's immediately fist pumps down and goes runs over to flowers and 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 you know pops him on the helmet and whatnot uh it, it's it, it, there's no doubt about that being true post play emotion in film study by the way one of the biggest tells you can find in terms of what really happened on the play oh yeah i agree with that big time uh how about 2024 does he come back I think so uh
2: I have a feeling that that Beckham will go somewhere else and I think they will bring back Aguilar on a reasonable deal
1: what's uh what's your number on that what are you willing to spend for a player like Aguilar
2: um so what did he end up getting paid this year
1: three and a quarter
2: three and a quarter I mean, if you would do something similar to that, I would I would do that again. OK, um, I, I have two years for seven million.
1: Or would you not want yeah. to get caught up in a two year deal when you could have a one year deal at, say, three and a quarter? Would you prefer that?
2: Um, If you if you need to have a lower cap hit this year, then you could do two years, seven. And then, you know, the cap will continue to rise and you can figure out after that. So may, maybe a two year deal. Okay. um yeah two for seven sounds reasonable anything less than that's great um two for eight's probably about as high as i would go
1: okay all right we'll see how that that runs out because i think you know he's a guy who it, it would kind of make sense for the ravens to to sign i think at this point uh let's uh go back to to bateman for a second because you know, obviously bateman did some things that were n- nice this year i thought he he built a lot of trust points despite not really having a great year by a lot of metrics, built a lot of trust points with Lamar coming back, um, and knocking footballs down and, and really, um, saving Lamar some interceptions this year. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, he, even though he, he never felt, um, super healthy early in the season, he was able to play 16 games, um, which was really nice. Um, His numbers were not so great. He had 56 targets, uh, 32 receptions, which means he had a 57.14% catch rate, Um, 367 receiving yards for 11.47 yards per reception, and 6.55 yards per target. That number right there is – The big one. Yeah, it's it's, (laughs) it's basically death as a receiver. I mean – something below 7 is is pretty horrendous and in the 6s it's just bad uh and then he had he had the one receiving touchdown so that meant his touchdown share was low and his touchdown percentage was uh pretty terrible as well
1: i go for, i have a couple of stats to add to this the the yards per target is an enormous drop he it was at 10.2 the previous year and it was only in 28 targets but to go from 28 targets to 56 targets and go from 10.2 to 6.6 yards per target, I mean, he almost didn't add yardage. He did add some, mm-hmm. but, but, but not very much total yardage, aggregate yardage. Um, only a 61.7 passer rating throwing to him. That's utterly terrible. You know, we talked yeah. about Beckham not improving the quarterback. Um, Bateman, I, I'm not 100% sure it's all on him. There, there is a, okay, and I don't think it explains the whole difference, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think Lamar may have a slight lack of trust on Bateman on the deep ball, allowing him to go up and grab it, which caused some overthrows to occur. And so they were, you know, you have overthrows in the field of play, you know, some of it's on Lamar and whatnot. But when it happens so regularly to the same receiver and it doesn't happen to a player like Beckham nearly as often, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, you really start to wonder about, you know, what the hell's going on here? Just let him catch the football. And, right. and you know, let him give you a chance. Well, you know, Bateman's had some drops. He's had some interceptions allowed. Um, I, I think those were, you know, it, things to to look at. It should be the X receiver position, should be wide open for him this year. Um Flowers would be on the other side of the field, presumably, but but I, I don't expect um Beckham back taking away uh share from him from that X spot. And in fact, there's not another obvious X that the Ravens have currently. So it's Bateman or no one um and and that means his his route running really will show off on that side of the field more now the unfortunate side effect of that is i think also lamar has a strong affinity for the for the strong side of the football field
2: mm-hmm. i would most, agree with
1: that most right-handed yeah. quarterbacks do but also you got multiple receivers over there and it's easier to check from one read to the next when you're on that same side rather than look back left um and uh you know hopefully bateman is able to take advantage of available space become an extended play threat and also become someone that Lamar just trusts to leave that um, corner behind at the top of the route once he starts trusting that and just throws to the spot that he knows Bateman is going to they're going to become an unbelievable duo and and I think that may even be something that is more forced upon them than anything else this next season right uh, so we'll see how that uh you know certainly how that plays out yeah,
2: I, I would agree with that. I mean, he has all the all of the physical tools you can want in a receiver, and he's shown so much um potential in his career so far that um you're just waiting for it to all come together. And I think I think this year coming up uh could be really big for him. I mean it's it's a contract year. Yep. Um depending on what the Ravens do with the fifth year option. That that's an interesting thing we can I can bring it up real quick. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, you think that the Ravens will you know, take his fifth year option or they they'll decline it? Like what would, what would you put the odds at?
1: Okay, so there are two fifth year options they're looking at. One is OA, which I think they'll right. certainly pick up. Mm-hmm. And that's 12.4 million, I think, or it's 12 point something million. And the other one right. is is Bateman, which is 13.2, 13.4. Uh, I think that price is too high. So I think they'll say no on that. They'll let him play this year. Hopefully if Bateman starts being the Bateman first round pick we hoped he would be you you resign him at midseason to a long-term deal um uh, you lose out on a little bit of value because you're going to have to you're going to have to pay more than 13 million for the next season if he ends up being the player you hope he is right uh, and and then you know the other side of that coin is if he has a you know pretty good year you end up just letting him walk but he's not a player like um if, okay, just let's start with this. It's an unfortunate situation that at the end of the first round, most of the players you take that are not quarterbacks, and most of the players you take at the end of the first round are not quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Don't have a lot of fifty-year option value. There's just there's sure. too steep a drop-off in potential play. You have to play at the top of the market effectively. And so it ends up being being not value. wait, it's very you know, to have one of two hit on their fifth-year option, basically from from two picks that are, you know, five apart or four apart uh is is very nice uh, yeah ravens- it
2: was 27 and 31
1: yep yeah yep. so so you know i think i think the ravens are always lucky to get one out of two and in some ways you're lucky not to have two out of two that you really have to pay because those stacked mm-hmm. contracts you'd, you'd already be looking to unwind that and probably trade one of these guys right and, uh you know they had to do that with a lot of the 2018 draft that all matured at the same time and, and had to be paid um and and you know ended up trading orlando brown and hayden hurst and you let Zach Sealer go and whatnot is just an unfortunate, you know, series of unwindings that occurred with that.
2: Yeah, completely agree. Um, I also would say Bateman does not get the fifth year option. Um, I do think OA will have his picked up, and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, if Bateman does show who he can be this year, then I, I think he's going to get paid, whether that's in Baltimore or not. but, Based on what he's done, I think the price tag is a little too rich.
1: Let's jump on to Devin DuVernay here. Disappointing injuries, lack of playing time. I thought he could have been a good gadget player for the Ravens, especially when I thought too much of that play was going to Flowers early. They weren't taking advantage of who he was. Um, But DuVernay really just not used in the offense this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2.0 yards per target and a 51.6 passive rating throwing to him is, I think, enough said in terms of the uh, receiving stats. He came off an 8.3 yards per target year, where he'd been a big part of the offense and had pretty Mm -hmm. good hands and whatnot. Um, uh, I I, I was actually a little surprised when I look at it to see how many games he'd actually played in this year because we just have not seen him on offense, Uh, but still a very fine contributor as a punt returner. Uh, 12.6 yards per return in 23, 12.8 in his career. To give you an idea on that, the 12.8 punt return average for Devin DuVernay is the sixth highest all time of players wow. with 60 plus returns. Um, and if you look back at that list and I, I've got it up here, the, um, the top players are all from the forties and fifties pretty much. So mm-hmm. it's, it's all guys you haven't heard of Ernie Steele of Philadelphia, 14.7, Jim Kasson, 14.1, who played LDH, whatever position that is for mm-hmm. the Rams in San Francisco in the forties and fifties, Charlie Trippy not Trippakicky or you know the, the 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 Twitter handle we all know uh played for the Cardinals Dick Christie who played from 58 into the AFL years uh uh, uh was he's one of the first names that I, re- uh, I recognized there is one Raven who returned two punts for the Ravens Jeff Ogden is number 6 who stuck on there actually he's only got 67 returns so he he doesn't or 57 rather, so he didn't quite make the the list of 60, but he's close anyway and and was on that list. So it's, it's a bunch of guys from a long time ago. This century, the guys who've retired, the only one is Ogden, who finished in 2002 with the Ravens at 13.1. But he doesn't have 60. And after that, you have to go down to, I think, Devin Hester. Is right. The next I would one imagine
2: Hester would be pretty high. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Gunnar Olszewski. There's the other one. He's for, for new England, the guy who he had, he had 98 punt returns. So, you know, we shouldn't forget what Devin did for this organization, but I think what I'm getting to is I don't think there's a very good chance he's back next year.
2: I I completely agree. Um, The writing was on the wall with, with his usage this season. Uh, He has been a good returner. I think he'll continue to have some uh, play in the league. Uh, Somebody's going to pick him up and use him as a punt returner and maybe a gadget player, but um, you know, Chris Moore had a great special teams career with the Ravens, and he's still kicking it yeah. um, in the NFL. So, you know, we'll see.
1: And, and they were using Duvernay to cover kicks. I don't know if he was a four-unit guy, but I think he might have be, actually been used as a gunner some this year as well, which is really unusual to be used as a gunner and a return man.
2: Right. But, yeah. Uh, More injury risk for sure. Yeah. but
1: uh uh, a couple other guys who got a little bit of playing time. Laquan Treadwell uh, had a catch in the Steelers game. Uh, he might have had one other catch, but he had, I think a 16-yard catch against the Steelers is the one I really remember. And then Tylen Wallace, of course, had one catch during the regular season, but but obviously known for winning the Rams game with that uh, right. wonderful punt that return. Term. Yeah, yep. yeah, and uh,
2: Tylen Wallace is still under contract, so I I expect him to be back. Um, and probably make the team as the returner, depending on how many um, receivers they add.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought about that, but he would be naturally next up in that regard. You wouldn't give it to somebody else, I don't think. And he'll he'll probably return punts, but not kickoffs. You would think.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Justice Hill, honestly, he's probably too valuable now to to really put him in a returning role. Um, but you you've seen some clear kick return ability from justice Hill. So I imagine they have another running back that could do something similar. um, This upcoming season. I I don't expect that to be Keith Mitchell. Um, (laughs) I I really don't expect him to be back fully until, you know, uh, October, November, my rule of thumb is a year out from the injury. And a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, he will be, he will be back uh, for the start of the season. And I, I just can't expect that. And I don't want, want to think that way either so right um, yeah i I imagine there will be some players they bring in to kind of compete for that position of kick returner
1: right i and i would agree with that uh you know i think it's 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 kind of hard right at this exact juncture of of events to, to to look forward to 2024 but i would expect them to to take a pick uh in the draft at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to get off the vet treadmill still. They're doing too much of that in terms of re signing players. I think Aguilar would be a good bargain, but yep. I don't want them to go out and get a nine or ten million dollar receiver.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think Aguilar is the guy to re sign. And then I think you draft um at least one, maybe two guys. It just depends on on how EDC moves around the board um and acquires picks. So uh, I, I definitely say they add one receiver in the draft and maybe more
1: okay all right oh, always a pleasure to talk football with you uh Jake uh this is you know a tough day to go through this, but we're we're having to do this this will post in a few days and it may seem like old news unfortunately at that time but tell folks where they can talk football with you or or uh uh read your material online.
2: Yeah, I am on Twitter or X um, at Real Jake Vogel. I am pretty active on there, tweeting about the Ravens and the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, big into the NFL draft, so I'm going to try to carve out some time to to look through um, different position groups this uh, you know off season. And um, I, I primarily focus on what the Ravens would be adding. So look okay. look forward to to talking to people in regards to
1: that as well. And we'll look forward to having you on this show for at least a position group. And uh, we'll see other opportunities as they present themselves during this offseason. One of the things I I want all of you people who are listening to think about is if there's one player in Ravens history you'd like to talk about this offseason who is not one of the greatest Ravens ever. So I'm not talking about the greatest 20 Ravens of all time, but a second tier player that you really appreciated what he did for the for the team. So who was that guy? If you're an Orioles fan, maybe it was, you, you were really a fan of Terry Crowley or you were a fan of, of some Jesse Orozco or some guy who, was, who, who you know, wasn't at the top of the rotation and wasn't the cleanup hitter or whatever, but we're looking for, for some player like that. I know I, I've got a bunch of favorites. Tyus Bowser, mm-hmm. I think, would be a guy I'd like to talk about or Chad Williams. But uh, I'll, be, I'll be reaching out to people, and, uh, and I want you to reach out to me. DMs are always open on Twitter. Tell me who that player is you want to talk about, and that'll be our historical series for this off season that will be recording and playing shows pretty much right up till training camp. But uh, hit me up early is always better. And I definitely want to hear from you. Jake, thanks a lot for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study.